Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Never underestimate the power of a parent's prayers. When Hudson Taylor was born in England in 1832, his parents prayed that he would serve God in China. 21 years later, after undertaking some medical training, he arrived there as part of the Chinese Evangelization Society. Immediately, he began offending people, mainly his fellow missionaries, by adopting Chinese dress and growing his hair in a pigtail. In this era, most Europeans assumed that all non-European culture was intrinsically inferior and that leading people to Christ and leading them to Western culture was synonymous. Taylor was equally offended by many of his fellow missionaries whom he saw as too worldly. Still learning Mandarin, Taylor and others sailed into the interior of China, distributing Bibles and tracts. When his missionary society couldn't afford to pay him, Taylor continued as an independent missionary, married and grew a small church. Then he became seriously ill and they were forced to return to England, where they remained for five years. While recuperating in England, he continued to learn the language. He eventually could preach in several dialects, completed midwifery training, recruited more missionaries, and decided that a completely new style of organisation was necessary to reach the millions of Chinese who had never heard the gospel. He founded the China Inland Mission on the principles that it was interdenominational. There would be no guaranteed salaries, nor could missionaries ask for money. They simply had to trust God for it. They would also dress as Chinese. Soon, Hudson Taylor, his wife and four children, were sailing back to China, accompanied by 16 young missionaries. Taylor's boldness increased as he sent women missionaries into China's interior. He prayed for another 70 missionaries and got 76. He prayed for another 100 missionaries and 102 signed up. His boldness and fervency came with a cost. He suffered poor health and bouts of depression. His wife died aged 33 and four of their eight children died before reaching the age of 10. Sometime later, Taylor remarried and further children arrived, some of whom didn't survive. In 1900, he suffered a complete mental and physical breakdown. He outlived his second wife by a year, dying in China in 1905. Hudson Taylor pushed himself and arguably his family to breaking point and beyond. There was only one motivation, the desire to reach China with the gospel. Along the way, he raised the profile of China in both Britain and the United States and was directly responsible for hundreds of missionaries in China. He pioneered the idea of completely relying on God to supply the financial needs of those called to missions. Shortly after his death, the China Inland Mission had 825 missionaries serving in every province in China and it was the largest Protestant missionary agency in the world. Historians have argued that Hudson Taylor was one of the greatest missionaries of all time. His descendants remain active in missions today. Focus, paying the price, a magnificent legacy. These are hallmarks of Hudson Taylor's ministry and his life invites us to consider the links between them. All of us want to leave a positive legacy behind, which leaves us with the questions, where is our focus? What price are we prepared to pay? Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Wow, what a clap. Thank you, Marcus, and thank you, Peter, for putting that together. What a great summary of the life and work of Hudson Taylor and the missionaries 
out in China. If you haven't or if you don't know about Hudson Taylor, I encourage you to read his story. There's uh, biographies written about him and the stories that, it's just amazing. He goes through wars, he goes through uprisings, but he's still there. He's still plowing through for the spreading of the gospel. So it's exciting. It's exciting. And um, it's exciting to commence Summer Sundays. Actually, we've been waiting for, I think it was the concept, the idea came in October last year, I think, if I'm right, around October, and we've been planning, well, Sue have been planning through, doing an amazing job, and finally we see, and we'll come to this fruition. So that's awesome, Haley. that is awesome. So as we come to the word, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together that we can come in your presence to hear your word. We just ask that you will open our hearts to what you have for us. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and may the, the words fall on the good soil of our hearts and may it take root, may it grow, and may it help to transform our lives, Lord, on a daily basis, every hour, every minute, every second of the day. May we just be blessed by your word this evening. And Lord, we just commit this time to you. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. And being New Year, some of you, I'm sure, would have set some New Year's resolution. Has anyone set any New Year's resolution? Oh yes, some brave souls submitting, yes. None of you. Amazing. Oh yes, well done. Carl, well done. Only, only a handful. Well, each year, people around the world, not here, people around the world, set their New Year's resolution around these top five things. First one being personal health. They like to eat healthier, maybe eat less, maybe exercise more, you know, get out to the gym. Some of these things are put on the New Year's resolutions. And the second one revolves around life and self-improvement. Read more books, like learning new skills or embarking on a new hobby. And the third one, make better financial decisions. They want to save more money or spend less money. Right? Buy the things that I don't need. That's my New Year's resolution. What about the fourth one? Interesting. They want more sleep. That is the New Year's resolution. I don't know, in the busyness of their life, they want to slow down, maybe do a bit more, a bit less, maybe less binge watching on Netflix, stand, I don't know, maybe, maybe less screen time on social media. Who's ever kind of gone to bed watching social media and dropped the phone on their heads? Anyone? I've done that. Actually, I was reading the Bible and, you know, Scripture and the Lord bless me with sleep. There you go. If you, wanna, if you want more sleep, read Scripture. Um, maybe the fifth one is interesting. Spend more time with family and friends. You've got to set a New Year's resolution to spend more time with family and friends. But guess what? Most of the New Year's resolutions, we give up 12 to 15 days into it. 12 to 15 days. 
We don't stick to it. But some 8% of people around the world, because we don't set New Year's resolutions, complete it to the end of the year. So because there's such a small amount of success rate, does that mean we, want to, we don't want to set any New Year resolutions or set up some goals for achievement this year? No, absolutely not. Yes, it takes time to form new habits. They say Richard says approximately 66 days is required on average to form new habits. That's tad over two months. And along the way, we'll slip, go back to our old ways, and it becomes too hard, so we just give up. But persevere, because it is still better to fail than not attempting it at all. So when you do set New Year's resolutions after this service, set ones which glorify God and bring you into a closer relationship with him. Whatever the ones that you set, right? One that glorifies God and bring you into a closer relationship with him. But with any of these resolutions that we set, we all know that we will have to sacrifice something for the, in order to achieve our goals. For example, if you want to eat healthier, well, you're going to have to stop going to Macca's, no HJs, maybe give up um, ice cream, second helping or third helping. You go on camps, maybe fourth and fifth helping, right? You need to sacrifice something to attain what you are pursuing. And as we talk about sacrifice, we know the ultimate and perfect sacrifice was offered to God by Jesus on the cross at Calvary. The sin of the world placed on the Lamb of God and offered for you and for me that we may have life. And there was and there never will be a greater sacrifice than the one Jesus offered for all humanity. We read in John, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. No greater sacrifice had been offered before or since Calvary. And there's a beautiful narrative which foreshadows this sacrifice in the book of Genesis. A narrative of a father offering up his precious possession, someone dear to his heart, to God. And I'm going to invite Georgina and Jane, who's going to bring the Bible reading to us this evening. Georgina is going to read it in Mandarin. No, she's not. She's reading in English. And Jane is going to read it in Mandarin. If you want to just come to the front. Let's put our hands together for them. Thank you for offering. So Jane, if you'd like to read first in Mandarin. It is Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. 创世纪第二十二章第一节到第五节。这些事以后神试验亚伯拉罕对他说 
亚伯拉罕亲早起来预备好了驴带着两个同仆和自己的儿子以撒神只是他的地方去第三日亚伯拉罕举目光望远远地看见了那地方亚伯拉罕对他的同仆说你们和驴留在这里我与孩子要到那边去敬拜然后回到你们来这里来 Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said to him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for reading. Amazing. A beautiful narrative which contains so much hidden treasures, but today, in line with our theme, we will focus on one of sacrifice and ask the question, what, what was God seeking from Abraham in commanding him to offer Isaac? From the beginning, the author wants us to understand that a divine test is coming, that God is going to test Abraham. And God hones in on what, he's, what the test is. He goes from a broad view and brings it down. He says, your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. He focuses in on Isaac. Remember that Ishmael, the other son that Abraham had, through God's command, was sent away in chapter 21. So Abraham now only has the son of the promise with him, the son who is dear to him, son that he received as a gift after waiting 25 years for. And God says, that son, the one that was gifted to you, I want you to offer him as a burnt offering to me. And we know from reading the text that Abraham struggled. The order in which he prepares for the journey is actually out of order. I encourage you to go back and read the passage, the whole chapter of 22, because it is odd the way Abraham prepares. Even though he's got his servants, he himself cuts the wood. He doesn't get the servants to cut the wood. And we just have to wonder... The scripture doesn't say, but the internal struggle 
Abraham, Abraham must have been going through, it would have been intense. Think about what might have been going through his mind and heart of Abraham at this time. And if anything, we can get a glimpse of this from the Garden of Gethsemane when our Lord said to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Why? The searing pain of the knowledge of the upcoming separation from the Father was overwhelming for Jesus. For because that was the most dearest thing that he had in his heart. Jesus' relationship to his Father was the most important thing that he had in his heart. And he knows a time is coming when that will be separated, when that will be lost. And that brings him grief. But he was willing, Jesus was willing to undergo even this separation for the will of the Father. And I don't think we'll be stretching it far if we said that Abraham was, Abraham's struggle was real and it was overwhelming with sorrow. What went through Abraham's mind? What was going through internally as he traveled for three days? Not a word of conversation, not his thought, or his heart of Abraham is recorded as he traveled for those three days. Then in verse 5, Abraham speaks, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. We will worship and we will come back. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it is understood of these words, we will worship, we will come back to you as a powerful illustration of Abraham's faith in God. See, in his obedience to God's command, Abraham became a person totally abandoned to God. His willingness to offer his son was the final and the greatest example of his faith in God. Because Abraham was obediently, willingly, willing to offer what he had in his heart to God. Likewise, Christ offered what he had in his heart to God. Church, expect tests from God. Because God wants us to grow in his faith. In faith in him. God's testing are tailor-made for each one of us, and each experience is unique. In one sense, it is a compliment when God sends us a test. It shows that God wants to promote us. He wants to promote us in testing of our faith, to grow in our faith, to grow in our walk with him. And I want to ask you this question tonight. What is God calling you to sacrifice in your life? What is he calling you to sacrifice in your life in 2019? Because in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, we are called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The New Living Translation says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Whatever you are called to sacrifice, to be a living sacrifice, it is going to be a test. It is going to be a test of your faith. And God is chasing after every single one of our hearts. He wants our hearts. It will be a test to sacrifice your heart, to live a life contrary to a world that says it's all about you. It will be a test to sacrifice your heart which honors yourself to the one that honors God. It will be a test to sacrifice your heart of comfort to follow a man who has no place to lay his head. And it will be a test to sacrifice your heart to the one and only God rather than offering your heart to the gods of this world. God will test us. And I'll pray that he does because that is a blessing. That is a great place to be in a test, in a struggle with God because at that place we will meet God. We will meet God. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Paul urges us to mature, to grow to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay as an infant. He wants us to grow. And testing of our faith will help us on that journey. What is God calling you to sacrifice in your life? It is said that Hudson Taylor used to hang in his home a plaque with two Hebrew words, Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer means, so far the Lord has helped us. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. This was the motto of a man who in faith, when called, went. He actually went. And his motto was, so far the Lord has helped us and the Lord will provide. That was his, his motto on found, founding, grounding his faith in God to provide for him as he worked in China. The Lord has helped us, and the Lord will provide. Whether Hudson Taylor looked back or ahead, he knew God was at work because he was at a place where he needed to be doing God's work. God's way, even though it made absolutely no sense when, where, who, or why, he obeyed. He obeyed and went to the place where he was called and now he has left the legacy of God's work. Hudson Taylor knew the Lord was at work, and he had nothing to fear. He sacrificed his life for the Lord. And it's the same for you and me. 
when you and I are tested, and when we are at our Mount Moriah, and as we willingly, obediently sacrifice our hearts to God, you and I will experience his provision for us. And this will only happen in his way, according to his will, in his perfect timing. He journeys with us. He did not let Abraham go on that journey by himself. He was there every step of the way. And that is a promise that God has made to all of us in the test that he sends us. He is there with us every step of the way. And as we trust him and obey his instructions, when we are doing the will of God, we have the right to expect the provision of God. You might have seen it on the clip there. There's a saying, when God's work is done God's way, it will not lack God's support. When God's work is done God's way, it will not lack God's support. And when we look back or ahead, we will see God's work in our lives. This time next year, I pray that we will look back we will look back and we will say, God has worked in my life. God has worked in my life. Remember these words from Job, which says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. I want to invite the worship team to come up and I want you to be encouraged because when God tests you when you are in that place you are there because God loves you you are there because God wants to take you and me deeper into a more personal intimate relationship with him So when you are tested, when God calls and starts to knock on your heart, and some of you, he might be pounding on your heart to say, I want your heart. Let's be obedient and let's be willing to give him that heart. What is God calling you to sacrifice in your life so that you can go into a deeper relationship with him. So as we ponder and meditate on this question, knowing that his spirit will work in us, let me finish with this prayer for all of us. Let's pray. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ 
and to know this love to surpass knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.